welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Uh, just over a year ago, we were in Auckland, and uh, we decided that we'd stop and go into the CBD and just have a look around. Now, I don't know Auckland at all, so uh, we were just exploring, having a good look around. And it got to around about four o'clock in the afternoon. And at that time, I thought to myself, hey, let's get out of here because I don't want to be stuck in Auckland traffic at uh, five o'clock rush hour. Such a great idea. Uh, Unfortunately, thousands of other Aucklanders had exactly the same idea. And so we pulled out into this bumper-to-bumper traffic. And as I said, I don't know my way around Auckland at all. And I was trying to get back on the Southern Motorway home. It seemed like we drove around for ages and ages. I was taking wrong turns, wrong lanes. I was getting frustrated and I just didn't really know where I was going. Right about then, the phone went and it was my mate Nigel. Hey, Lindsay, what you up to? Well, Nigel, I'm actually stuck in Auckland traffic. I haven't got a clue where I am and how to get home. And he said, well, whereabouts are you? Now, Nigel knows Auckland really well. He used to live there. And so I told him the street that we were on and he said, oh, look, you just need to go forward, you know, couple of hundred metres, keep in the left lane, turn left, and then uh, follow along again for a, a few more k's and you'll come to a sign and turn left again and you'll get yourself onto the on-ramp. Nigel's guidance at just the right time led us out of Auckland and got us going on the road we needed to be. It just so happened it was bumper to bump with all the other Auckland traffic, which was quite an experience. Uh, but we got there thanks to that guidance. And it hadn't been for Nigel, who knows, we'd probably still be driving around and around. Uh, but um, yeah, hey, my topic this morning anyway, what I want to talk about is how the Holy Spirit leads us. And um, so my first question is, is what comes to mind for you when you think of being Spirit-led? Uh, for me, it's thoughts of hearing God's voice. It's thoughts of knowing God's will in any situation. And, and then having the courage to step out and try what I think I've been led to do. You probably have some questions around being led by the Spirit of God, like, did I hear correctly? Uh, is that really God speaking to me, or is that my idea? Uh, how can I be sure that I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit? How does this whole Spirit-led um, life work anyway? You've got to start with the right concept of being Spirit-led. Our first scripture today is Romans 8:14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Every born-again believer is a son or daughter of the Most High God. Therefore, it is the privilege of every believer to be led by Holy Spirit. Jesus' intention was that you'd never walk alone. Captain Tom Moore uh, grabbed our attention recently, a few weeks ago, when he decided he was going to raise money for the British National Health Service, he walked around his house a uh, hundred times before his hundredth birthday. As he started doing this, uh, you know, a, a momentum built up, and all these people uh, were with him as he was walking around. If not physically, well, certainly we were watching from a distance. It's sort of like that with Holy Spirit. He's with us every step of the way. And what about that song that he did? I love the words, they're so inspiring. When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. Don't be afraid of the dark. Why? Because Holy Spirit is with you. 
and the end of the storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. Do you remember when you were little, there was only one way to cross the road and I'm so grateful for the wiggles right now. Because of the wiggles, I feel safe crossing the road. You know, stop at the lights, look both ways, look both ways again. Wait for the traffic to come to a stop and then cross the road with a friend. It's a catchy little tune, but it's so, so good. When you say to your child, hey, hold my hand and we'll cross the road when it's safe. It's like the picture of the Holy Spirit walking with us every single day. Now, God is a loving parent and he doesn't want us to uh, come to any harm. So he's going to lead us in the best way. So we need to be confident and sure that when God leads, it's for our good. Holy Spirit is with us to guide us, to lead us, and to direct us every day of our lives. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be with us to help us. Now, the word used is comforter. If you look at the Greek word for that, it's the word parakletos, and it simply means summoned, called to one side. And so in that sense, Jesus has summoned the Holy Spirit to come by the side of every single believer, just like that parent crossing the road, holding hands, not letting go, being led by the Holy Spirit. So that comfort that we have is that he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always there. This means you don't have to guess if you're doing the right thing. So the question is, how does Holy Spirit lead us? We're going to look at four aspects of being Spirit-led. I'm going to try and keep this as practical as possible. Some of these examples come from the book of Acts, from a survey of the book of Acts. When you talk about spirit, being spirit-led, there's some wacky stories out there. So to avoid being wacky, I'm going to teach what I believe is both solid and spiritual. Uh, if you apply this, you won't err onto the wacky side, but you'll know the Holy Spirit's leading and you'll be solid and spiritual. So the first aspect of being spirit-led is to pray through the process. Everything you'll ever need is birthed in prayer. Acts chapter 10, it's such a great chapter. Cornelius was praying when the spirits said to him, send for Peter. In verse 19, Peter was praying and the spirit said, hey, go with these three men which I've sent to you. The context to hearing is prayer. In Acts 13, verses 1 to 4, the Antioch church, what were they doing? They were praying and fasting. And then the Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The context to hearing is prayer. There's a direct link between the Spirit moving and the people praying. The pattern in Acts is that the people were praying and the Spirit is moving. So on the one hand we pray, and on the other hand the Spirit moves. The two go together. You can't have one without the other. This pattern is consistent all through Scripture. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. The people are praying and the Spirit is moving. So keep on praying because you can be assured that the Spirit is moving. It's powerful when we pray because when we pray, we're, asking, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to move. So it's a powerful concept. Here's how it works for me. 
I have my morning time, my devotional time every morning, and I go out into my lounge and I sit down in my chair. I, I grab my Bible, uh, I grab my iPad or whatever uh, device I'm using at the time, and then I'll just sit down and I'll pray. And as names come to mind, I'll pray for those names. As things come to mind, I might write those down. And what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to sit and listen. It's, it's the quietest time of the day. It's the best time of the day. And as you quieten down all those other noises, all those other voices that you get during the day, as you, as you get busy, I'm trying to be unbusy at that time. Because as I quieten those voices down and, and everything else that's going on around me, I'm listening for the loudest voice of all, which is the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. So you've got to take that time aside uh, to, to hear. The foundation to being spirit-led is prayer. You must pray through the process. So have you prayed about it? Are you praying about it? The second aspect to being spirit-led is to look to the Word. Psalm 119 verse 133 says, guide my steps by your Word so I will not be overcome by evil. In Psalm 119 verse 105, those famous lines Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're walking, the, the imagery is of walking on a path and it's dark. And when you apply the word of God, the lights come on and you can see where you're going and you won't fall into evil. Proverbs 14:12 is interesting. It tells us that there's a path before each person that seems right. But if you walk down that path, the end is death. When we don't apply the word, when we don't use the word, when we go ahead in our own steam or our own strength and with what we think we know, our own wisdom, and we're walking not with God, it seems right. It can seem like the right thing to do. It can seem like a good move, but actually it's not. And so there's two types of word that I want to talk about now. One is the logos and the other one is the rhema word of God. You've probably heard of those. The first one, the Logos, is what we call the revealed will of God or the known will of God. And Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil came to him and the devil quoted scripture, but he twisted those scriptures. And Jesus replied with, It is written. We've absolutely got to be people that know the word of God. We've got to know ourselves what is written because when we're tempted, when we're tried or tested, we've got to be able to reply back like Jesus did with, It is written. We know the nature and character of God because it is written. We know what God is like. We, we know God is good. We know uh, God is holy. We know God is just. We know God is love. We know God is patient and kind because it is written. We know right and wrong. We know good and evil. We know truth from error because it is written. Every major doctrine, every doctrine that we teach, we know because it is written. It all comes from the Logos, the written word of God. If you want to know the revealed will of God, you absolutely have to know the written word of God. Now, did you know that just a little bit of reading every single day and you'll get through the whole Bible in a year? doesn't take much. I want to take you back into my study and I'll show you how it works for me. So I sit down in that morning time and I'll grab my Bible and I'll just begin to read. Sometimes I'll read a scripture, uh, just, just a verse, and I'll just pray over that verse and I'll think about that verse, I'll let it settle in. Sometimes I'll, I'll read a, a parable or a story or a whole chapter and uh, that'll be my time and I'll, I'll just take that away. Other times I'll read a whole book of the Bible. If I've got time on my hands, it's not, it doesn't take long to read the book of Galatians or Philippians or one of those smaller epistles, you know, and you, you, just, you just read it and you're just taking it in. This I can assure you, 
If scripture goes in, scripture's going to come out. But if you put nothing in, there'll be no scripture coming out. So sometimes it seems a bit mechanical. Sometimes it seems a bit dry. But I sit down and I eat breakfast every day because it's good for me, because I need that sustenance. And, and even if I don't feel like anything's going in, I know it's going in. This is how you renew your mind daily. You sit down and just let the words wash over you. You'll be some random place during the day just minding your own business and you won't be thinking about anything spiritual. All of a sudden, there'll be a, a scripture that'll come to mind and it'll be crisp. It'll be clear. You might have read it that morning. Uh, and so you know it's there because you deposited there. So think of it like, hey, I'm just building up a deposit, a bank of scripture within my life. And at the right time, I'll be able to bring it to use. Some people look in the wrong places. There is such a thing as divination uh, and, and, and divine guidance coming from the wrong source. Some people look to the stars. Some people look to the tea leaves. Some people are into the tarot cards or the mediums or the psychics. If you know the logos and you know what is written, you'll know that that's forbidden in Scripture. So those practices, astrologers, horoscopes, mediums, they're out. God, you want, God wants you to hear from the Holy Spirit, not any other spirit. Why are you looking to the stars when the answer is in the sun? S-O-N. So know the written word, but there's also the spoken word, which is the rhema word of God. In Acts 8, verse 26 to 29, we have this wonderful story of Philip meeting the Ethiopian eunuch. Two times he hears a rhema word uh, to, to bring this about. He's led by the Holy Spirit, first of all, to leave Jerusalem and go down near Gaza. He does that, uh, and when he gets to the place, the Holy Spirit speaks to him again. He hears a rhema word, and he says he joins himself to the chariot and speaks to him about Jesus, and the man gets saved. It was the rhema word that Peter and Cornelius heard in Acts chapter 10. It was the rhema word that the Antioch church heard in Acts 13 when they sent Paul and Barnabas on mission. There's times that the rhema word directs us. So how does that work? It's when you receive a revelation. It's when the Holy Spirit brings a verse to your mind. The word was in there. We put it in there earlier. At the, mo at the moment, the Holy Spirit illuminates it. It lights up. It's like the whole thing comes alive before your eyes. You can quote it. You can apply it. Uh, you can understand it. It might be a word for somebody. It's an, it's an encouragement you give to them. You, you know who it was meant for. It, it could be that when you're reading and the scripture jumps off the page, sometimes that happens. Or you're praying and all of a sudden you just get this uh, word of knowledge for somebody and, and you reason within yourself, was that me? Did I just think that? Was that my thinking? And you have this little battle going on inside and you realize, oh, I'm not that smart. I just don't think like that. Uh, that. That thought came from the Holy Spirit. And when you act on that thought, it blesses somebody who it was meant for. Could be an answer to prayer. It could be the answer to a problem. Someone needed to hear it and you were the, you were the vessel through which it came. In those moments, there's a certain clarity which comes and you know the Holy Spirit has spoken. But hey, there's a danger too, and I, want to, I just want to tell you about the danger. If you don't know the Logos, you can easily misinterpret the Rhema. You have to know the Logos word to be able to judge the Rhema word. The written word is used to judge the spoken word so that you don't fall into error. Now there's also an excess that comes with this as well, and I need to warn you about the excess 
If you're all word and no spirit, you'll be legalistic. But if you're all spirit and no word, you'll be flaky. The spirit and the truth go together. When you have the spirit and truth together, you'll be both solid and spiritual. So we pray through the process and we look to the word. The third aspect of being spirit-led is to seek wise counsel. Now in Acts, Acts chapter 15, there was a problem in the Antioch church. A group of religious Christians came along and they taught the new believers up in Antioch that they had to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses to be saved. Paul and Barnabas objected strongly. Uh, an argument broke out and they took the matter back to the mother church in Jerusalem to the apostles to judge the matter and to get a resolution. The insight that we have into that chapter is that they all sat around the table and they all bought their case and the uh, religious Jewish believers went first and stated their case. And then Peter stood up and he said, this is what happened in Cornelius's house and he stated his experience. And then Paul and Barnabas likewise said, hey, this is what's happened on our recent mission trip. The Gentiles believed the Holy Spirit came upon them too, just like it is on us at the beginning. But they weren't circumcised, and they definitely weren't following the law of Moses. James came into this last of all, and he gave his conclusion to the matter. And it's interesting because he went back to the Logos to bring his conclusion, and he judged it by the word of God. And he said, the Gentiles do not need to be circumcised to be saved. There's an interesting comment in Acts 15, 28 that I want to uh, highlight to you now. It's, it's a throwaway comment in, in so many ways, but it's so profound. For it seemed good unto the Holy Spirit and to us. In other words, the will of God was found by the collective group. The various points of view were put forward, they were considered, and then a decision which was based in Scripture was made. But the whole group got there together. They recognised the Holy Spirit was in this process. There's some issues and some decisions which are best dealt with as a collective voice. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. As you work through the process, the will of God becomes clear. You have to flesh it out. You have to talk about it. You have to consider the different angles. You'll be able to say at the end of it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, we all need some wise guys in our lives. Not the, not the type of wise guys that drive out the wall, but the, the wise guys that have wisdom that can actually add value to your life. So who are the wise people that you can go to and use as a sounding board? Who are the wise people that God has placed around you? Who can you speak to when you're unsure and you've just got to flesh out a decision? I hope you have two or three people. So pray through the process. Look to the Word of God and seek wise counsel. The fourth aspect to being Spirit-led is to ask this question. Is there an open door or a closed door? In Acts 16, verses 6 to 10, it illustrates this so well. The Holy Spirit stopped Paul preaching in Asia. He tried to go into Bithynia. The Holy Spirit stopped him from going into Bithynia. He worked his way over to the coast and he came to a place called Troas. And there he had a vision, a man from Macedonia saying, hey, come over here and help us. Paul spoke of open doors on more than one occasion. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, he says, a great door, a great and effective door has been opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. In 2 Corinthians 2, 12, when I came to Troas, 
to preach the gospel, a door was opened of uh, opened unto me of of the Lord. Now understand this about the apostle Paul. Paul was a go-getter. He wasn't going to sit still for long. He was one who made things happen. And so as he was moving, the Holy Spirit was directing him. He kept going until he found an open door. And if the door was closed, he moved on. And and then that door was closed and he moved on. And then he found the open door. Hey, it's much easier to turn a car that is moving uh, than to direct a stationary object. So how do you know if the door is open for you? You use discernment to figure it out. You're looking for confirmation. Acts chapter 16, verse 10 Uh, There's a word there, it says, after all these things, they concluded that the Lord was calling us to Macedonia. That word uh, concluded is a really interesting word. It literally means to bring all the pieces together. So it's the weight of evidence which comes together to form the big picture. You consider all the details. You put all those bits and pieces together and then you arrive at the answer. You're looking for the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit in your decision-making process. In Paul's case, those two closed doors and then the vision to Macedonia. So what about if you have two good decisions to make? Because sometimes it's not a case of a good decision and a bad decision. If it was like that, it would be easy. Quite often you have two good choices. That's what makes it hard because that one's good and that one's good. So how do you know which one the Holy Spirit's leading you into? You've got to weigh up the for and against. You've got to gather all those pieces, all that evidence, and you've got to weigh it up and and then make your decision based on what you feel led to do. You can call this due diligence. You can call it using wisdom. I'm going to advise not making hasty decisions. I I make decisions quite slowly. Um, I've found in the past that when I act in haste and spur of the moment stuff, quite often I get it wrong. So what if you do get it wrong? You'll find a closed door and you'll you'll just stop dead in your tracks. Uh, You won't be going forward with it. It's probably a good sign that that's a closed door. I give time for the Holy Spirit to confirm the move and then I move with confidence. And there's some times where you'll have to use that process for really big decisions. Who should you marry? Uh, Should you move to that town? Should you take that job? Whatever it is, that business deal, should I do business with that person? There's some big decisions that have far-reaching implications. Should I study that degree? Um, Should I choose that course of study? These are are big decisions that you commit to, and and you want to know that the Holy Spirit is leading you in that. But I'm also aware that there comes a time when uh, you just have to make a decision. You have to choose one or the other. There's a faith element to every decision as well. And hey, wouldn't it be easy if just God just gave you a step-by-step uh, and, and wrote it down for you and it's like, just do these things? Doesn't work like that. Often He'll just give you the first step. That's all you need. If you know the first step, if you know the, the first place to put your foot, uh, God will show you the rest when you get there, just like He did with Philip. All He gave to Philip was that one word, go to Gaza. Why was Philip going to Gaza? We don't know. He got there. Go and speak to the Ethiopian. So that's how it works. You'll get that one word, that's enough, go with that. But go in confidence, go with faith, uh, and, and you'll see God progressing with you along the way. Understand this, God opens doors, but we still have to go through them. When I met Carla, she didn't come with a sign on her forehead which said, this is my new wife. 
sorry, my, my only wife, uh, I, had to, I had to use that due diligence and we had to form a relationship and we had to work out if God was in it. So God brings opportunities your way, but you have to test and confirm and find out if God is in it. I've been using this process for over 25 years and I found it as both solid and spiritual. Pray through the process, the start, the middle, the end, every little detail that comes along, pray through that process. Look to the Word of God. Does any scripture seem to be for or against it? Does it confirm anything? Talk to a few close friends to ascertain their view. Uh, does anything they have to say shed light on what you're going through or the decision that you have to make? Does anything they have to say confirm anything for you? Decisions also need the peace of God on them. If you're going the wrong way, you'll feel uncomfortable about it. There'll be just a check in your spirit. Something won't be quite right. Uh, it won't be adding up and you'll just... You know, you, you'll just be a little bit distant from, from God. You, you'll just know it just won't quite be right. But on the other hand, if you're moving in the right direction and, and following the Spirit's lead, there's the peace of God which passes understanding. So many circumstances may not make sense, but you've just got this inner peace that uh, it's almost like the still small voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, go for it. When you get to that point, step out in faith. There's nothing left for you to do but step out and do it at that point. So take courage, be confident, and do what you believe the Spirit is asking you to do. There's one more warning that comes with this. I mean, this is such a, uh, a great area to talk about, and it's another excess that people go to. There's an extreme where some people become super spiritual. Quite frankly, they're just straight out weird. They tell you God has given them a revelation, a, 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 a word of knowledge or something that they'll come to your home and they'll get real intense. Uh, they'll speak to you even in old King James language sometimes. But then they say these three defining words, God told me. There's not a lot you can do when you hear God told me. Well, I can quote King James language too, and they must think I'm the devil when I say, yea, hath God said. And here's the silly thing. Sometimes the word that they bring can be so wacky that it completely contradicts Scripture but you can't counsel a person who plays the God told me card. So I'm really, really cautious about the words I receive from people. If the person's character is suspect, I'm even more cautious. Go and get some integrity in your life and then, first, and then I might consider your word. So be cautious and don't get super spiritual. So to conclude, I've been advocating for a solid and spiritual approach to being spirit-led. We've considered those four aspects of how Holy Spirit leads us. Pray through the process. Look to the Word of God. Seek wise counsel. And then finally ask, is there an open door or a closed door? I know that we all want to be led by the Spirit. So what difference will this make in your life? Imagine if we all apply this. It's huge to think of where the Holy Spirit will lead you. Do these things and you'll never miss an opportunity. Holy Spirit is with you every step of the way. You have the tools, now go and be led by the Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.